Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You are listening to the Fantasy Doctors Major League Baseball Podcast, where we use our expertise in the world of sports, as well as medicine, to bring you the most up-to-date injury news and analysis. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 3 of the Fantasy Doctors Major League Baseball Podcast. I am Dr. Physical Therapy Brandon Bowers and alongside me is also Dr. Physical Therapy Aaron Berger, your host for this season of the podcast. Aaron, it's been a couple weeks since we've been been on the airwaves, but we've got a whole new host of, of, of injuries to discuss and I'm ready to jump in. That we do and I'm definitely excited on this end as well. Uh, the weather's finally uh, calmed down for both of us up here in a uh, up here in Pennsylvania and for you in Ohio, thankfully you were safe. Didn't get hit with any tornadoes. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, uh, the rain, like you said, has just been absolutely just nasty. And then we had the tornadoes that, uh, a couple that touched down here in Columbus, but then really the, the bulk of the damage was uh, a little bit further West on I 70 to Dayton got hit really hard. So, um, just uh, they're still out there recovering and I had some family out there and luckily they, they, they missed it. So that was mm-hmm. good, but uh, always, always, always yeah. tough when we're dealing with these kind of natural disasters. Yeah. So uh, Hunter, Hunter Dozier for Kansas city dealing with a chest injury, Aaron, what can you tell us about him and where he's at in the rehab process? Yeah. So Hunter Dozier was placed on the 10 day IL on June 3rd. Um, all the, all the Royals media were describing it as, as thorax tightness along his right side. Um, whenever they're describing that, it could be an oblique or a lat strain, right? Those are the muscles that kind of run up the side of the, the side of the thorax there. Um, the severity of this injury hasn't been determined yet. Um, it's something that, uh, we're still looking at a timetable for that. Um, but the return to play is roughly two to four weeks. Um, and Dozier's actually been having a really good year. This, this is, really comes at a bad time for the Royals. Um, Dozier's hitting 314 on the year with a 774 OPS, 11 home runs and 33 RBIs. Um, just going to the, our grading system for any um, strain or sprain, um, muscular, we're looking at a strain here. Um, so you have grade one, which is j- just some minor micro tears of the, uh, of the musculature. Grade two, you're getting more into a partial tear. And then grade three is a complete, complete tear or rupture of the, um, of the muscular tendinous unit. Um, so it doesn't seem like they're too concerned. So we're probably looking at a grade one here, return to play, like I said, two to four weeks. Um, he's eligible to come off the aisle on June 10th. Yeah, I mean, as, as you mentioned, with a possible Latin oblique injury, and that'll segue nicely here into Joey, Joey Gallo, who's also dealing with an oblique injury. Uh, I mean, th- these things can be tough because the, the rotational motion that's required for batting and as well as throwing uh, places a heavy demand on these, on these muscles. So Absolutely, yeah. So, I mean, it's tough. So, Joey Gallo, uh, with the oblique strain, he was placed on the IL just a couple days ago. Um, and so we're, we're still waiting to see what the severity looks like here for Gallo. Should be a similar timetable here for Dozier if it is of the grade one variety. Uh, but as you mentioned, as we get into the more severe injuries on this scale, a grade two and a grade three, this return to play timetable is prolonged. So um, on, on the short side of things, as you mentioned, it can be a two to four week type thing. But if it's anything past that into 
uh, a grade two or grade three. This could turn into a month to even a two-month return to play timetable. So two guys with uh, oblique injuries that, I mean, you hate to see them go out, but they can be a tough injury to recover from, recover from for a baseball player. Definitely. Next, we have Steve Pierce, the 2018 World Series MVP for the Boston Red Sox, dealing with some back spasms here as we start June. Um, he was placed in the 10-day IL on June 1st. Um, like I said, he's dealing with some back spasms. And these are just involuntary contractions of the, of the erector spinae group. Um, and this is just a, a muscular group that kind of runs on each side of the, of the, of the spine. Um, and anytime, it, anytime there's something going on within the, the spine there, um, just some wear and tear, repetitive micro traumas of the spine. Um, these, these muscles, they're going to do what they're made to do, and that's just hold on for dear life, right? Um, so, like I said, if anything's going on, these muscles are going to hold on, and it, it's, it really stinks for him because it's totally involuntary. He could just be walking, and uh, these can kind of just grab you. Um, so they're definitely going to get him on a rehab program, get those muscles, calm down. Um, we're looking at a two- to three-week return to play here for Pierce, um, and they definitely could, they could use him. They're – the the April Boston Red Sox are are long gone. They're they're trying to uh they're trying to make a little run at the AL East here, Brandon. Yeah, it's tough. And I mean, and, and the key thing that, I, that I've seen with back spasms clinically, and you can speak to this too, um, is the back spasms are often indicative of something else that is going on structurally or somewhere else in the back. So that, that could be a, a lack of deep core muscular strength. And so it's important not only to address the symptoms that are the back spasms, but really identify any other kind of root causes and address that as well. Because that root causes and address, then we run into a situation where, where maybe these things come back uh, later on down the road. Definitely. Couldn't agree more with that. Yadier Molina for the St. Louis Cardinals was dealing with a thumb injury. Initially uh, had Cardinals fans kind of scared that this is going to be a long-term type thing. Uh, he was initially diagnosed with a right thumb sprain and was placed on the injured list on May 31st. He saw a hand specialist uh, just a few days ago, Aaron, and uh, they indicated no surgery was re required here, and he's only expected to miss two to three weeks. So what that tells us here, as you mentioned, with the muscle uh, grading system. The same also applies for ligament muscle grading. And so in this situation with that sprain of the thumb, he, he's dealing with a, a grade one type sprain here. Minimal time missed, obviously important for a catcher uh, to be able to have that functionality of the thumb to do his job. He was slashing so far 265, 294, and 397. So he's had a, a nice uh, start to the season, uh, four home runs as well along the way. A guy who's just been a journeyman here for for the St. Louis Cardinals, it just seems like he's never going to stop playing, and, and he's been an absolute blast to watch over the course of his career. Absolutely. Death, death taxes, and Yadier Molina being <laughs> behind the dish for the Cardinals. That is, that is the truth. So that's, that's something that we're used to hearing about is Yadier, Yadier Molina catching for the Cardinals. Now, something we're not used to hearing about is a broken <laughs> rib as a result of getting a massage. Uh, and, that, and that brings us to the, the young budding shortstop for the Houston Astros, Carlos Correa. And uh, we have a group chat for the fantasy doctors and th this got put in there. And I think I was, I was driving or something. I, I was at a stoplight, obviously, never went text and drive. Um, but I looked down and I saw that Carlos Correa broke his rib while getting a massage at his home. And that, that, that's certainly one of the stranger injuries that I've seen, Brandon. Um, I mean, I mean uh, Aaron, I, 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 re I really just don't buy it. I mean, the, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if enough force can be generated unless there was some no. underlying situation that was already present. I, I just don't know how this happens. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think I put a, a joke back into the group text, and I, I think I said uh, his masseuse is Mike Tyson or Conor McGregor. <laughs> yeah, it had to have sure. been, right? <laughs> I mean, we never hear about this. 
Sure. Yeah. Um, so just getting down to the numbers, Correa was placed on the 10 day IL on May 29th. Uh, we're looking at a four to six, four to six weeks return to play. Um, that's pretty standard for any fracture of bone, but you also have to look at it, right? There's tons of torsional force going on in a baseball swing um, or throwing across the diamond from shortstop. Um, so it just might be tough for Cray to get back to throwing and swinging without pain um, within that four to six week period. Um, so it might be delayed a little bit, but uh, I'm sure he'll be back um, as soon as he can. Um, Jack Mayfield has, has been playing regularly in his, in his place. Um, yeah, just a tough, tough injury. And, I think his I think his um, wife or fiance even made like a YouTube video explaining it all, and he was sitting right there. If you if you got to watch that, I did, and I'll have to check that out. I mean, did, yeah. did you have a chance to watch it? I, I didn't. I didn't. It's on my list. <laughs> I'm just I'm just curious what what they said because, like I said, I I just don't buy it. I I wouldn't be surprised somewhere down the line. I mean, maybe the truth comes out, but I mean this is this yeah. this is pretty unheard of. Absolutely. <laughs> Moving uh, to the Pacific Northwest, J.P. Crawford for the Seattle Mariners is dealing with an ankle sprain. Uh, he was initially placed on the IL on the 29th of May. And the team initially said, Aaron, that they expected him to miss several weeks, which it would have been indicative of maybe even a grade two ankle sprain. But he's actually doing very well over the week and a half since the injury. And he's going to begin a rehab stint as soon as this weekend. So looks like they're going to be getting him back sooner than expected. Obviously, uh, the, kind of the, the best predictor of future ankle, future ankle sprains is a history of ankle sprains, so it's going to be important that they are, are sure this thing is right. He's got adequate motion and strength and stability through that ankle so this thing doesn't bark at him again. But J.P. Crawford ahead of schedule here for the Seattle Mariners, so good news for them out west. That is good news. Michael Pineda for the Twins, dealing with some knee tendonitis. Aaron, if you'd be able to dive into that and what this means for the Twins. Sure, yeah. Michael Pineda, starting pitcher for the Minnesota Twins. Um, yeah, like you say, he's dealing with some right knee tendonitis. Um, I don't think it'd be too much of a stretch. They were probably dealing with some patellar tendonitis here. That seems to be the most common type in the knee. Um, placed on the 10-day IL on May 28th. Um, and like I said, most likely patellar tendonitis. Um, and this is just that, um, that tendon right below the kneecap um, from repeated stresses on the quad. Um, and this is interesting that it happened to his right knee. Um, because if you remember, he, he had a torn meniscus last year in that same right, knee. Right. Um, so they might be a little bit more cautious with him returning. Um, we should see him back mid to late June. Um, but like I said, they might be a little bit more cautious um, because this is the knee that he injured last year. Um, and anytime you're talking about a tendonitis, like I said, it's just that acute um, inflammation, right? So tendonitis means acute tendinosis or tendinopathy. That's more of a long-term chronic thing where the the, um, the fibers of the, of the tendon itself get rearranged. But if we're looking at an acute injury, that's your tendonitis. Um, so they're going to definitely try to get the, the inflammation calmed down within that area, maybe do a little bit of a steroid injection um, and definitely some rehab to make sure they're stretching that and then also loading the quad to make sure that it's um, able to accept the forces that it'll need to during a game. You know, you bring up a good point uh, for the listeners with the difference between an itis and an osis. And I mean, another point to mention here with the, with the itis is usually, as you mentioned, it responds pretty well to rehab. And, and mm -hmm. when we get into that tendinosis type situation where it's not necessarily an inflammatory process anymore, it can be a little bit tougher for an individual to make a return. Absolutely. To, much to the, to the dismay of Dr. Jesse Morris, one of our wonderful fantasy doctors here, our resident Boston mm -hmm. sports fan, Dustin Pedroia, 
has dealt with these chronic knee issues over the past few seasons. He had gone through the microfracture a bit and had surgery there and then tried to make a return last year and had a cartilage procedure and he just hasn't been able to get right. And it came out just last week that it's getting to the point now that Pedroia doesn't think he's going to be able to play again. Uh, and you just feel for a guy who's, who's been really a staple in the Boston Red Sox lineup for years and years and years run, I believe won the rookie of the year, his, his rookie year, and then even won a league MVP, a couple world series titles to his credit. Uh, but it's not looking too good here for Pedroia. He hasn't had any kind of procedure recently, but the, the rehab is, has become increasingly difficult for him due to his knees. And, and there's a good chance that we have may, may have seen the last of Dustin Pedroia out on the ball field for the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, that's, that's just a tough one. Um, like you said, just a total staple within the Red Sox lineup. He was actually one of my favorite players like in high school, just cause he was so uh, just a, a short guy. Nobody really believed that he could do it. And it was just awesome to see him climb the ranks. And like you said, winning an, a, an AL MVP. So definitely, definitely a tough loss for Boston. Yeah. I mean, he, I mean, you mentioned, you mentioned he's a short guy and I mean, everybody kind of wrote him off and then he comes out there and does his thing. He hits Mm -hmm. the cover off the ball, plays a great second base. And I mean, it really can inspire kids like yourself when you're in high school, or even younger kids who maybe have been told, Oh, you're too small to do this. And he just kind of, uh, kind of took care of that uh, stereotype that small guys can't do it. And he went out there and did it. Definitely. That leads us to Charlie Blackman, outfielder for the Colorado Rockies, dealing with a right calf strain. Uh, he was placed on the 10-day IL on May 27th, but it was retroactive to May 24th. Um, Blackman's doing quite well with his right calf strain. Um, he took BP on, on Sunday. That would have been two days ago um, with the team, and he had no issues. Um, but talking to the media, he just said his biggest issue right now is pushing off with that right leg um, coming out of the box and also running in the outfield. Um, so. Considering he's doing so well already, we would expect that it was a grade one calf strain. Um, if it was, if it was any more serious, I'm certain, I'm certain that the, the rehab wouldn't be going as well. Um, manager Bud Black told the media that he definitely will require either a simulated game or a rehab game before suiting back up for the Rockies. Um, and there was even chatter that he'd be eligible tonight, um, June 4th to play um, against the Cubs, but he wasn't quite ready. So I'm sure they'll get a, either a simulated game or a rehab game within the next few days here, and he should be back out there for the Rockies. Um, doing quite well this year. He's hitting, he hit 333 in May, and he had seven of his 10 home runs on the year in May. So heating up at the right time right before the All-Star break here. Yeah, I mean, I think it's worth noting what he, what he mentioned about that push-off out of the box and push-off out, out in the outfield. I mean, those are really the two of the big things that we see with these calf-type injuries in baseball players. And if a player is getting ready to return, if they're able to clear those two hurdles, then usually they're good to go. So certainly something worth keeping an eye on here as he's getting ready to return for the Rockies. Definitely. And like you were saying earlier, Brandon, just the, any soft tissue injury, you definitely want to watch out for re-injury. So they want to nip this in the butt, make sure it's totally A-OK to go. And then uh, they'll send Blackman back out there to the outfield and leading off. Yeah, a guy who uh, is A-OK to go as of tonight, I just saw before we hopped on, on the airwaves here, is Chris Davis for Baltimore. Uh, he was dealing with a bit of hip inflammation in his left hip that started bothering him a week and a half ago. He was shut down and put on. I, I, don't, you know, I don't even know if he made his way to the IL, but he, he didn't play for a period of time. And just as of a couple hours ago on Roto Baller, they indicated that he is being reinstated uh, this evening for Baltimore, uh, and will make his return. And he, he's a guy that we saw, I believe it was earlier this season, that he had that long stretch of, uh, mm. I don't know if it was strikeouts or not getting on base or what it was. But, yeah, uh, the, I mean, 
hit, hitless at bats. I think it was. That's right. That's not a, that's not an impressive list to be a top of. Uh, that's t- uh, I felt, I felt for the guy because he, he signed that huge contract. Everyone's um, waiting for Chris Davis, just turning around. I'm, I'm glad he finally did. I'm sure that was a big, uh, big weight off of his shoulders. Yeah. Big monkey off his back for sure. Uh, David yeah. Peralta out for the Diamondbacks dealing with an AC joint injury for the listeners. Uh, because, I mean, this isn't something we hear all that commonly in baseball. Uh, if you could if you talk about a little bit about the AC joint and what this means here for Peralta. Definitely. So go, going off Chris Davis, how he's played Peralta actually played last night, which is awesome news. Um, but going back to his injury, he's placed on the 10 day IL on May 24th, retroactive to May 22nd with AC joint inflammation. Um, so anytime you hear AC joint, um, they're talking about the acromioclavicular joint. Um, so that's where your collarbone kind of meets the shoulder blade muscle. Um, and there's a joint there with ligaments. And just like any other joint, it, it can become inflamed, whether from falling on it. You see that a lot with football players. Um, but like Brandon said, it's not too common in baseball players. So um, that overhead repetitive throwing motion, um, the AC joint has to um, assist the shoulder in getting the, getting the uh, arm overhead. Um, so just like I said, that repetitive motion. Um, could definitely inflame that joint, but I guess his rehab went pretty well. Um, they weren't too aggressive with it. As I saw, they, he took like a whole week off not doing any baseball activity. So that would, that would obviously help the inflammation just to let it calm down. Um, just really use that, the rice principle, rest, ice, compression, elevation, um, getting some of that uh, bad inflammation out and getting some good blood to the area. Um, he was hitting 309 with a 357 OBP and a 529 slugging percentage before he missed time. So having quite a good year, um, he got activated last night, June 3rd, um, played against the Dodgers. He went 0 for 4, but David Pross is a very solid player, and I'm sure he'll get right back on the horse. If you had anything to add about the AC joint, Brandon, I would love to hear it. Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail right on the head. It's that acromioclavicular joint on the point of the shoulder. Typically, as we mentioned, we, we don't usually see this type of injury in baseball players. The usual mechanism of injury that we see here is, is maybe in football or a basketball where somebody like a quarterback gets sacked and falls directly onto the point of the shoulder. And that's where we can get what we call a shoulder separation or an AC joint separation uh, is, is typically what these things are called. Uh, so not a typical baseball injury, something you hear more about in contact sports. But, I mean, I think, I think you, you nailed it. Uh, with the explanation here for the listeners, and it's good to see that Peralta's back for the Diamondbacks. Looking at a 6-9, to 9-12 to 12 return to play, so don't know if he'll be ready for spring training next year. Um, but anyway, the, the ACL, the anterior cruciate ligament, definitely a, a, a stabilizing ligament in the knee, protects against valgus force, which means turning inward, so whenever that knee collapses in, and it's one of the more, more common, um, in, commonly injured structures in the knee for non-contact injuries. The return to play from a cushion will definitely be impacted on if any other structures were involved in this. Um, typically with the ACL, we could see um, some medial meniscus damage, um, maybe, maybe, maybe some PCL, but um, anything, anything from you with that, Brandon? I mean, it's, it's just a tough blow. Another guy that you just love to see be successful. We were talking about Pedroia earlier. I mean, he's, I, mean I feel like he, he played for your Pirates for a number of years, and I'm a fan he, of obviously – He's just a he's a likable guy that you hate to see get hurt, uh, and this yeah. this ACL can can take upwards of a year as you mentioned. Uh, a neat kind of a little point here for the listeners: there's there's a Twitter account called the ACL Recovery Club, uh, which is a, a gentleman who I guess has had multiple ACL injuries himself, and it's just a a resource for anybody who's gone through an ACL injury just to kind of come together and offer support for one another. And he uh, is about to have his ACL redone for whatever number of time it is, and he posted a video of him being able to actively 
anteriorly translate his tibia and his femur so you can see uh, what a, a, an ACL deficient knee looks like. Uh, for, for those of you who get a little queasy, it may not be the best video to look at, uh, but for anybody who's into that kind of thing, you can really gain an appreciation for what the ACL's responsibility is and what happens when it's not intact. Josh Harrison sustained a grade two hamstring injury. Another former Pittsburgh Pirate here for you, Aaron, is, is on the shelf. And he actually had surgery here just within the past couple of days to address this injury. Grade two, as you mentioned, we get some of that partial tearing of the muscle. This is a little bit more of an aggressive approach with a grade two type injury. Oftentimes we'll see grade two injuries are still managed with rehab. And the grade three injuries of the muscle completely tearing are, are the ones that are managed, managed surgically. And so an aggressive approach here. For Josh Harrison, uh, this more than likely, uh, if I had to guess, I'd probably put him on the shelf for the rest of the year. Um, and it, it's just really going to be important that they allow time for this thing to recover. And then from there, making sure that the hamstring can adequately be loaded and accept load while running, jumping, and cutting. Be able to provide that eccentric control through the hamstring or when the hamstring lengthens while running. Uh, but another guy here for your uh, former Pittsburgh Pirate, you add him to the list with McCutcheon and then Glass now, who we've talked about uh, previously and we'll talk about here in a little bit. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a former Pirates curse or what it is, but uh, these former Pirates have not been doing well. I don't know. That could be it. The former Pirates also love to go to other teams and just totally blow it out of the water. Uh, <laughs> see the examples of uh, Jose Bautista whenever he was with the Blue Jays. He's a former pi Pirate. People forget about that. Uh, you look at Tyler Glass now, Austin Meadows down in uh, Tampa Bay. The Barry Bonds, although he was good with the Pirates, just yeah. goes and kills it with the it just goes on and on. We, we can't catch a break since the seventies over here. <laughs> Must be something in the, something in that Allegheny water that they're all drinking. Oh. <laughs> but you don't want to go in that, in that river, Brandon, it's toxic. <laughs> I believe it. Uh, moving on to our old injuries and a guy we just mentioned, Tyler Glassnell. Yeah. So like we said about two weeks ago, uh, Glassnell is dealing with a forearm strain. We have some unfortunate news to report here for Glass now. He was transferred from the 10-day IL to the 60-day IL on May 26th. Um, he's expected back to in the Rays rotation after the All-Star break. Um, so that, the, that forearm strain that he sustained um, definitely was more serious than they initially thought. They were thinking four to six weeks initially. Um, but we're, we're probably looking at a grade two um, grade two strain here. And he's been, the, he's been their uh, ace this year so far. So I'm sure they're just being um, definitely cautious because they are in it in the AL East this year. Um, so they definitely want him for the, for the pennant run. Um, some good news though, after the, after the negative news, he has played catch from 75 feet and reported feeling pretty good. So um, his rehab seems to be going well. I'm um, just some unfortunate news there for glass now. I mean, especially with forearms in pitchers, it's really important to make sure that these aren't rushed and that when we hear this unfortunate news, uh, we're not pushing through it because you know, with the forearm injury, maybe that turns into a UCL injury and then we're on the shelf with that ulnar collateral ligament reconstruction for 12 to 18 months. And so um, he'll, he'll get there, just a matter of taking the time with things here and making sure everything's right before he comes back. Definitely. Speaking of people coming back, we're looking at Jose Altuve for the Houston Astros dealing with a left hamstring strain. Um, some more unfortunate news here. I don't know why I said coming back, um, but Altuve was pulled from his minor league, minor league rehab assignment on May 28th with fatigue and soreness in his uh, right knee, which, as you remember, was surgically repaired last year. Um, but some good news on the flip side of that, the hamstring seems to be doing well and healed. Um, but they're going to let Altuve continue to strengthen that that right that right leg. 
the whole the whole kinetic chain, working on the glutes, um, working on the quads, hamstrings, just anything to add some stability to that um, that knee. Um, and I think the the Astros manager even said after a few days of rehab, really really honing in on strengthening that that right leg. Um, this is the best he's felt since he's had the surgery, even even during spring training. So um, they're they're not having him go on their current road trip, but they do have a long home stand. Um, June 7th to June 16th um, and their manager de definitely didn't roll out him him coming back sometime during that homestand so that's good news for the Astros and Jose Altuve um, but the, like we've said earlier these soft tissues and these soft tissue injuries including hamstrings you just have to watch out for re-injury and making sure that they're ready to go um, as soon as you go full speed. Yeah so I mean hopefully he's back here in the foreseeable future and it sounds like that homestand coming up here is not out of the question. Felix Hernandez for the Seattle Mariners is dealing with a shoulder strain, which was diagnosed as a, as a lat injury. He was expected to miss four to six weeks as of the update the team provided just a couple weeks ago on May 14th. Um, as of an update on May 30th, he has been throwing on a flat ground and hasn't been having any kind of issue. The typical progression we see, and you, you know this, Aaron, for the listeners out there, we typically see a progression on flat ground with increasing distances, increasing number of throws, increasing velocity before we see a progression to the mound. Uh, so ex expect to see Felix Hernandez extended out a little bit further here on flat ground before he does progress onto the mound. But he hasn't had any setbacks over the course of his rehab thus far. Lat injuries conservatively, if we're dealing with a grade two type injury that is a partial tearing and take upwards of 100 days. They said four to six weeks initially, so this may be grade one in variety, but nothing really new here to report. No setbacks like we talked about with the previous two gentlemen, Altuve and Glass now. So everything's progressing as expected here for Felix Hernandez. That's good news. I love, I love King Felix. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know if this is our first Yankee we've hit on the entire show. It, it may be, which might be a new record for us with uh, Miguel Andujar and his labrum injury. Yeah, so like we said two weeks ago, um, during episode two, he underwent successful surgery on May 20th to repair his torn labrum, um, got placed on the 60-day DL, um, should be ready for spring training, three to four months return to play. Um, so that, that was his labrum tear. Um, and like I've said previously, that, that glenoid labrum just comes out from the socket just to add more surface area and stability to that shoulder joint. Um, it's, a, it's a ball and socket joint, so it's inherently unstable. So anything to add more surface area, just to kind of act to bring that that uh, that ball into the socket a little more, as, along with the rotator cuff musculature, um, just to add some stability there. Um, yeah, so I'm sure he's working on his rehab now, getting some of that range of motion back, um, just progressing, uh, progressing nicely. I'm sure. I'm sure he's uh, sure he's killing it up there in New York with that rehab. Yeah, I mean, after we have these uh, rotator cuff type injuries or labrum injuries, uh, well, he's probably still in, at a point right now that he's immobilized in that sling uh, and really in that protective phase. But it's important with with this type of injury that uh, you respect the healing process. I mean, with any injury, but especially in this situation, respect the healing process and just really making sure that everything's all healed before they move too quickly through the rehab process. Moving on to Andrelton Simmons dealing with a grade three left ankle sprain. This goes back to May 21st. He was placed on the 10-day injured list, and he saw a foot specialist on that 21st, uh, the, the day that the team provided the update. And they initially expected him to miss at least a few weeks was the verbiage that they used. But Aaron, as we've discussed previously, grade three injuries means we have a complete tearing of the ligaments in this case. So that ankle is going to be unstable. 
Uh, the team seems optimistic right now that they're saying just a few weeks, but this is a, an injury to a valuable guy here for the Angels that it would not surprise me in, in the slightest if maybe he ends up having to have surgery in the form of maybe a Brostrom procedure or something, that, something of that nature uh, to stabilize that lateral side of the ankle. So the Angels seem optimistic now, but this is something to keep an eye on because this could end up leading to a possible surgery. Definitely. Those grade threes. Um, I don't know what you've seen clinically, but I, I've, I've seen some good results with, with that Braunstrom procedure like you were t- talking about, um, just really stabilizing that joint because it all starts from the bottom, right? We need to have uh, a good base to work on, which is our feet. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I see a fair amount of Braunstrom's. We work, work with a lot of uh, foot orthopedic surgeons and DPMs here in Columbus uh, that do great work, but if this is something that doesn't get surgically repaired, then we're looking maybe 10, 15 years down the line, even beyond his playing days, that this now turns into a chronic ankle instability situation. And then, I mean, things just get worse. So uh, we'll see what happens. And again, don't be surprised if this ends up leading to some form of surgery. Yankee counter number two, Giancarlo Stanton uh, was dealing with a shoulder issue at first and then sustained a calf injury. Where is he at, Aaron? Yeah, so like you said, initially dealing with a bicep strain, um, moved to a, a- shoulder sprain so strain to sprain um, while he was rehabbing um, did his rehab started his started his rehab with high tampa on may 20th um, i think he went one for three that game with a bomb and two k's like i said two weeks ago very Giancarlo uh night for him um, but he was removed from that rehab assignment because of calf tightness they diagnosed it as a calf calf strain um, so he's been going through rehab um, your typical uh soft tissue rehab um, on Thursday, Stanton ran sprints and hit in a cage in Tampa. So seems to be progressing to more of a plyometric, uh, plyometric uh, state of his rehab here, which is great. Um, manager Aaron Boone said he's probably co- close to restarting the rehab assignment, but then he, like any soft tissue injury, we have to make sure that he's, he's fully ready to go. Um, but we should expect to see him sometime, sometime in mid-June. Um, that, that's what I would expect. I don't, I don't know if you've read anything about uh, Stanton here, Brandon. Yeah, I mean, the latest that I saw, as you mentioned, was he was hitting the cages and running sprints in Tampa last week. A guy that the Yankees need in their lineup, and we've hit at this ad nauseum on the past couple of episodes. The Yankees have enough guys on the injured list to field their own separate team. So it's nice to see some of these guys starting to make progress. I know Dr. Celine Preck will be happy when all these Yankees are back in action because that's his ball club. Um, and so it looks like he's getting – looks like, yeah, he's, uh, he's a Yankee guy, and we know Dr. F. Scott is Mets – Dr. Yeah. Morris is Red Sox, yourself, Pirates, myself, Indians. So, I mean, we have a lot of, a lot of different teams covered here. It's good. We're, all, we're diversified. That's awesome. <laughs> That's good. That's good. We're not partial to one team versus the other. So. No. Luis another, another, yeah, another Yankee here, Luis Severino. Um, we're looking at some rotator cuff inflammation and a grade two lat strain that was actually um, – he actually sustained the grade two lat strain while he was rehabbing his rotator cuff. Um, so good news though. Uh, he made 50 throws from 60 feet on Monday, June 3rd and feels encouraged per Brian Lynch of MLB.com. Um, and Severino even said himself that the next step is to throw back to back days and he believes he could even be back before the all-star break. Um, so that's good news for Severino. Um, considering it was a grade two lat strain, I think this is best case scenario for him. If he could get out there before the, before the all-star break, um, that would be, that would be awesome for the Yankees to get him back in the, in the rotation. It really would. We, we mentioned it earlier that when we deal with these grade two lat strains or Terry's major strains is another muscle that kind of gets lumped into this area. 
So you, I mean, it can take upwards of 100 days. So uh, to have him back for the All-Star break would be uh, best case scenario here in the month, next month and a half. But if he's close but not quite ready, then holding him out until after the fact might also be a possibility as well. Fernando Tostich Jr. for the Padres sustained a hamstring strain way back at the be- towards, towards the beginning of the season, end of the month of April on the 29th. Uh, he had resumed baseball activity on Star Wars Day, May 4th. <laughs> And then he progressed finally to extended spring training games on May 20th. And as of just a couple of days ago, he had started a double A rehab stint on Monday at double A Amarillo for the Padres. So he's coming along nicely, a guy that the Padres are incredibly high on. And it looks like he should be back here over the course of the next couple of weeks. And then hopefully he can stay healthy and contribute at a high level out in San Diego. I love that. Just watching that video of him doing that split, I, I, I thought it was worst case scenario. So that's great news out there in uh, the Bay, not the Bay, of, <laughs> the Bay of San Francisco. What do, what do they call San Diego? Do they I, have don't a nickname? I don't know if they have a nickname. I, I, I've heard they've got a good zoo, we'll but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll report back on that one. Uh, moving yeah. on to uh, waiver wire ads. Aaron is, uh, this is the segment we added last week. Uh, so I'll let you take that away. Sure. Yeah. So last week was our first go at this and I, Want to give myself a little bit of a pat on the back for not totally <laughs> whiffing on these. Just giving an update on some of the guys that I talked about in the last episode. Uh, Miguel Sano has hit 310, um, hit three home runs, and had six RBIs since we declared him a waiver wire ad last episode. I mean, it, it might be because of me. I'm not saying it is, but I'll, I'll just, give you the credit. I, I, yeah. I, you know, I, I believe the way we talked about it last week is you said you wouldn't take any credit for bad picks, but yeah. you'll take I, all I of it for the good, good ones. ones. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, going to another guy I recommended, Griffin Canning, uh, a, a young hot start for the for the Angels out there in uh, Los Angeles. Made two starts, gave up one earned run in each start, five Ks in each of them. I mean, you're going to take that every day. That's, that's excellent. Kyle Gibson had a start where he went seven innings and an earned run, nine Ks, and another with five innings pitched, no earned runs and three Ks. And then you have Austin Riley, who's just torching the MLB for the Braves. I mean, I, I think I did okay for the first one, Brandon. Yeah, I don't know if it's just beginner's luck or what, but I mean, we'll we'll see uh, see if it we'll continues. Go, we'll go with that, I think. Just <laughs> so for this week, I I have three guys. One is a repeat, so I'm gonna get the, I'm gonna throw that out there first. But you need to add Griffin Canning. So he's he's a he's a young prospect for the Angels. They love the guy. He's available in 38 percent of leagues. Um, just the one the one side note here: if you're if you're planning on keeping him, if the Angels make their way out of the AL West race, they might start kind of tampering him off, spreading his starts out a little bit to preserve him because he is such a young prospect that they love. Um, but, I mean, you're going to take the starts where you can get him in fantasy baseball. Um, another guy, Dr. Morse, is going to love this one, Jackie Bradley Jr., an outfielder for the, for the Red Sox up there in Boston, available in 20% of leagues. Um, had an, just a, not, I'm not going to use any bad words, but he didn't have the best, didn't have the best April to start off the year. Um, but in May, he kind of turned it around, slashed 347, 363, and 481 with four home runs in the month of May. I mean, off the, off the waiver, you're going to take that eight days of the week. Um, my last guy here is Kevin Kiermeyer, an outfielder for the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, in May, he had a 299 OBP with a 735 OPS. Not, not, not eye-popping numbers, but you'll take it off the waiver wire. And this is a stat from Roto Baller that I found. Um, I'll, have to, I'll have to find the, uh, the author here. I'm going to give him some good credit here. Nicholas Gout, Gatt, 
G-A-U-T. I'm sorry I screwed up your last name. But <laughs> of 284 hitters with at least 100 plate appearances, only six besides Kiermaier have six-plus home runs and 10-plus stolen bases. And these are guys like Christian Yelich and Trevor Story. So I don't think he should be on the wire. Um, he's had some injury history in the past, but he's healthy right now. So I, I suggest you go get uh, Kevin Kiermaier off the waiver wire. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I think in the past week he had a pretty outstanding catch out in center field too, if I'm not mistaken. He did. That, I, I forgot about that. Good, good catch there, Brandon. Yeah, one of the good catch by Kiermaier and good catch by me. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> this day in baseball history, going back to 1913. Uh, so turning back the clock, back when the, the Cincinnati Reds played in the uh, Palace of the Fans was the name of the stadium. Uh, they beat the Braves 26-3. to uh, So mm. a pretty remarkable score. Uh, but the reason I bring this up is the Reds had 13 different players who scored a run in that game. And that goes down wow. in Major League Baseball history as the, the most individual players to score a run in, in a single Major League Baseball game. So 13 runners, 13 different players came across in their 26-3 victory over the Braves back, back in 1913. That's pretty cool. And I hope you don't mind interjecting on your segment here, Brandon, but I found another cool one. Yeah, go if ahead. I, if I could add that. Yeah. So it was on this day in 1925 that Lou Gehrig replaced Wal- Wally Pipp in the Yankees oh, yes. lineup. Yes, and this, this started his uh, then record streak of 2,130 consecutive games played. So he, he, he never would have made it on this, on this show, Brandon. We never no. would have talked about Lou Gehrig. No, we wouldn't have. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's a great piece of trivia just to keep in, in, the, in the back of your mind, uh, maybe for a drink at the bar, you just go up and ask somebody who Wally Pip is, and I'd say nine times out of ten, people have no idea. And then you got yourself a free beer. There you go. Boom. Love that. And it, it, it was nice where you put that in, because it actually follows in chronologically with, with the years. We went 1913, 1925, and now we're going to fast forward all the way to 1996, when the Jacksonville Suns, which is the Tiger, was the Tiger, Tigers AA affiliate, they had a re- reliever by the name of Pamela Davis, who threw one scoreless inning of relief and got a win in a minor league ex- exhibition game against the Australian Olympic team. And the reason that this is pertinent is she actually became the first w- woman to pitch for a minor league uh, farm club. And so that was 1996. Cool. I didn't know that. Davis came in for the double A uh, Jacksonville Suns for the Tigers. That's very cool. Good, good, good tidbit there. And then we're going to go to a little bit more recent memory, just seven years ago when he didn't have a broken rib as a result of a massage. <laughs> Astros drafted Carlos Correa with the number one overall pick in the MLB draft. Uh, he was the first player from Puerto Rico to be selected number one overall. Uh, and was it was before the selection before that the selection of 17 year old shortstop Barrio Velasquez, which is a formerly uh, former major league catcher Ramon Castro, had been the highest drafted player out of the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico when he was cho- chosen 17th overall by also Houston in 1994. So Correa drafted first overall uh, on this date in 2012, and it was the highest drafted player out of Puerto Rico at that time. I'd say it worked out for the for the Astros. Love Carlos Correa. Yeah, until just a couple of weeks ago with this stupid massage thing, which I, I still don't buy. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's going to do it here for episode three of season two of the Fantasy Doctors Major League Baseball podcast. Aaron, as we do every week, I'm going to open it up. If you have any other, other final thoughts before we put a bow on this thing. Just another good week. And, and don't be afraid to reach out to us on Twitter. Like DM us, ask us questions about these guys or people we didn't talk about. Like we, we love serving you guys and just in any way that we, we can. Um, and just, I'm so thankful for, for you guys listening. I'm sure I can speak for Brandon as well. Um, we just appreciate you guys taking your time, whether it's in the car, 
you're mowing your grass, but we, we love to be in your ears or your speakers. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. And uh, I enjoyed doing this last year and enjoy having you on uh, with us this year, Aaron. It's, it's been an absolute blast. And, and, and to your point, if there's anything that you want to see in the show or a different segment, we added in these couple of new segments last week, whether there's another segment you want to hear uh, that would interest you, certainly feel free to to mention us on Twitter or DM us, DM us as Aaron mentioned, and we'd be more than happy to uh, see what we can work in. So uh, on Twitter, the Fantasy Doctors, you can find at the Fantasy DRS, myself at BLBowers12, and at Aaron Berger underscore PT. Be sure to check out our website, www.thefantasydoctors.com, and be sure to download and review us on iTunes and leave us those nice, shiny-looking five-star reviews. With that being said, we're going to wrap this up for Dr. Physical Therapy, Aaron Berger. I am Dr. Physical Therapy, Brandon Bowers, and we will talk to you guys again in a couple weeks. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.